Hello and a warm welcome to this episode of the PPC Chat Roundup podcast, where I round up the Twitter discussion that happens on Tuesdays at 5 p.m. GMT. I'm your host, Anu, and I use this platform to share not just expert, but also my ideas and considered best practices about paid media and the direction the digital industry is going in. So if you want to keep up to date with my tips and tricks in the industry and get the latest on the podcast that has been called your go-to, if you don't make it to the PPC chat live discussions, and even if you do, then like, follow, share, retweet on that's right, um, Twitter with my handle, the marketing Anu, or um, join us on our LinkedIn group, which is the PPC chat roundup, or if you're on Instagram, check us out um, at PPC chat underscore roundup to get quotes and snippets from our previous episodes. Today, we're led by the awesome, um, again, um, Julie Buccini discussing contracts and setting expectations. Now, this was like a great top topic that was pretty much requested um, off the back of our last Twitter Spaces chat um, when we were discussing last week's topic on client communications. So um, yeah, if you missed um, that chat, um, yeah, make sure you get it on our previous episode. Um, so yeah, it's um, it, it was a really great chat and, you know, the likes of Kirk Williams joined and Melissa McKee who have had years of experience of, you know, putting contracts together because, they're, you know, they've set up their own companies. Um, and, yeah, these are there's loads of useful tips um, given. I don't have much experience um, in that area. So, um, yeah, it was really great to even have, like, my colleague um, Tim Jensen um, from Quicks Marketing giving some answers because, obviously, he's had more experience in, in knowing how we do contracts at Clicks um, since I joined a few months ago. Has it even been a few months yet? Not been two months yet. Anyway, enough of my rambling. <laughs> there, let's get into it. We've got Julie um, welcome, welcoming us, saying hello and thank you uh, for joining me. We're going to be talking contracts and setting expectations today. But first, how are we doing? Um, and the usual roll call, Kirk Williams says much better after our scare last week. And um, his um, little, little baby boy, their sixth child, has um, had, had to be rushed to the hospital for a surgery. So really grateful Really glad to hear that's um, going much better now. Um, Nava Hopkins um, goes, yeah, today feels like a grind, nothing wrong, just feeling tired and less creative. I had the similar feeling to you, Nava, like just that similar feeling of like, oh, yesterday I did a, I worked in a co-working space, which was really nice in central London. But then today I was like, you know, I didn't feel like, you know, going in, in into that space. And um, yeah, I don't know, I was definitely a bit tired and less creative. Um, Cam Karras joins us as well, saying doing well. Ken Chang replies us, saying enjoying the good weather. Snaptech Marketing as well joins us, saying good morning. Um, really looking forward to the insights of our contracts and setting expectations today. Um, and yeah, I've got Amalia who joins us as well. And um, should we see who else joins us? I think Melissa McKee as well. And Sean Ellie joins us as well. Um, and yeah, it's going to be a really great chat and um, Julie gets straight in into our questions saying, yeah, let's get started. Let's start with contracts. Do you use formal contracts? If so, how detailed are they? And then we have with, we start with um, Kirk Williams uh, responding to question one saying we use formal contracts that are probably more detailed than some and less detailed than others. We utilized an attorney service to create it. And we make minor custom adjustments based on specific new clients and our arrangements, though I typically not um, many 
though typically not many changes. Amalia replies, we do, they're standardized and we created bef- were created before my time, so I'm not exactly sure how. Nava Hopkins replies, 100% yes, there needs to be projections for both the client and the pr- practitioner. They typically outline scope of work, fee structure, liability or lack thereof, and, and term minimum because, yes, I believe in six plus months engagements. Um, Julie Bacini replies saying, yes, I use contracts every single time. Yes, they they are quite detailed. The original contract document um, was lawyer generated. I have added to it over the years as I realized it was missing things. I wanted spelled out specifically. So, yeah, the one I created was um, a legal secretary, a friend of mine, helped me put that together. Um, and, yeah, and in response to um, Amalia going, um, yeah, I started to see the case for six months minimum engagements, um, transitioning to month to month after, to be honest. Julie replies, especially because hardly anyone actually respects the 30-day termination notice period. Oh, yeah, that is tough. Um, Kamikaris replies saying, um, when we began, we have, um, when we, be- we begin, we have a basic memorandum of understanding for the first period of a project, one month to one calendar quarter max. We've had the same attorney reviewed language for other, um, for over a decade and then customized each to the scope. Alyssa McKee replies saying, yes, very detailed, created by an attorney, although usually the details of the project are edited by the account team. Sean Elliott replies, yes, I use contracts for every new client, but I have found they aren't detailed or specific enough, so I have on my list to rework the basis for each contract, and then I can customize as necessary. Great timing for this, this subject for me. Nava Hopkins replies, the few times I didn't either because it was work for a friend or a client claimed that they just wanted a few things done. I always regretted it. So yeah, I always put things in writing. Proposify is a great catch-all tool. And if you're okay cutting into your margins, PayPal has great solutions too. Uh, had a bad experience with PayPal. So I wouldn't advise PayPal, to be honest. Um, if you get like a very nice, decent amount of um, of payment, Especially the first time, it takes maybe like a week or plus before they release your money to you. So um, yeah, I'll 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 ward off PayPal if I were you. Ken Chang replies to question one saying yes, formal contracts written by attorneys so that everything is fair and clearly stated for all stakeholders. Melissa McKee continues saying even use a simple contract for freelance or side work. I don't do a lot of this anymore, but always had a contract if I do. And then Julie goes on to question two saying, is there anything special? That you make sure to outline specifically in your contracts, and if so, why? Um, Amalia starts off saying that there's not, but I wish we had a pause close and communication specification a la uh, Julie Buccini. I do like that we outline scope deeply as well as timelines and illustrate additional costs for, levi- for leaving scope. And then we have Sean Ellie replying to question two saying, number of meetings or reportings cadence. Um, I found this is where clients tend to scope creep the most. So having it clearly written out at the beginning allows you to keep them in check or upsell. Tim Jensen replies, yes, not something I'm directly involved with creating or managing, but we use pretty involved contracts that accommodate for every stipulation you can think of. Our agency owner's husband is an attorney, so everything is definitely reviewed by an attorney. It's very good to have that. 
um, on hand. Navahokun's replies and in all caps starts with scope of work and exclamation marks several times there. If your agreement does not include scope of work and fee structures for upsell, you're giving your clients free reign to sign on at the lowest level and feel entitled to all the work. I also include client responsibilities, site access, etc. Um, and then Aurora Lasoda replies to this saying, this is probably one of the hardest things for me to figure out. Yeah, there's a lot of people who find this chat helpful. Kami Karras replies to question two saying, trademark and copyright information. We rely on our clients to follow the law when they provide information and creative. Um, Tim Jensen replies, we have a clause stipulating that all tracking needs to be set up properly for us to do our work. Helps protect if there's an issue with them not having proper setup to track leads due to dev problems on their end. Ken Chang replies to question two saying, I like to call out how we calculate margins with a simple math formula in the contact. People sometimes get confused about margins versus markups. Snaptech Marketing replies saying, we make sure that we outline scope and timelines within our contracts so that everyone has clear expectations as we begin to work together. Snaptech also doesn't believe in hidden fees. All charges are clear into uh, clear within our contracts. Julie replies saying, in addition to detailed scope of work and billing arrangements and exclusions, I have standard response times and working hours defined, including time zones, language if a client drops off the face of the earth and is and is non-responsive for defined period. And this is the kind of thing we talked about last week about, yeah, if clients' communication just stops, what do you do? And I, yeah, a very good answer here is just put it in the contracts. Um, Melissa McKee replies, we also include hourly rates for work that's out of scope. Um, and then, yeah, Nava Hopkins replies to Amalia, where we are still talking about the six months plus um, issue. Um, and then, yeah, we've gotten, she got replies to them saying M2M works for software service providers is a lot of cost to onboard a client and get them ramped up. If a client can walk at day 60 after you've done all the hard work, you're going to lose money. Good clients. Look for long-term partners. Absolutely agree. Make sure it's a long-term um, schedule. Um, Julie then continues saying, I also include assumptions, which include things like what I will have access to and at what permission levels. That pricing assumes no technical issues. And if there are, it, um, and if there are it costs extras for me to figure them out, like tracking, etc. Um, and then, yeah, we've got Kamikara continuing our answer to question two, saying, ah, yes, exclusion is very important. Um, and we've got Amalia replying here, saying, I've said it before, and maybe it's coming as a question, but all those important clauses or extra bits are worth walking clients through specifically. Um, and then Nava as well says that I'm not really pertaining to either of the questions, but one thing that is really important to factor into client conversation is what your non-compete policy will be. I personally don't like taking on clients who compete at the same time, make sure they can pay. And um, yeah, Amalia replies, we generally have a clause that says we are free to take on clients in that industry unless they compete within the same geography and or there is a specific separate agreement with them. And then we have Julie taking us on to question three, saying are your contracts typically for a specific period of time, i.e. six months or a year, or are they more open-ended? What are your termination terms? What are your renewal terms if there is a set starting period? 
Um, and starting with that, Ken Chang replies saying that because we have larger clients, our contracts are yearly. Um, but a, um, a nice little thread I'd like to go back to is um, Kirk Williams replying to Melissa when Melissa says that we also include hourly rates for work that's out of scope in answer to question two. Um, Kirk replies, we do this too and find it seems to help prevent clients from actually pushing over scope, which is fine. Our objective isn't to make more. It is to keep things within scope. And Melissa was like, yes, I agreed with that. And yeah, and I think that's even something I want to bring in a, as an idea to our um, our head of sales here at Clicks in terms of, you know, putting like an hourly kind of charge if things start getting out of scope. Kirk Williams replies to question three saying, a month to month, 30 day written out, I used to do longer periods of times with the out and then figured I was losing out on the marketing power of month to month. So shrugged and just changed to month to month to, ma- to match our termination terms works for us. Amalia Fowler replies, our clients are generally priced month-to-month retainer or project-based, although the scope and cost can shift over time. We're very flexible. We have a 30-day notice period. Sean Ellie replies, um, they start with a three-month term. I've found that if you don't have a longer start, clients can try to cancel after a week. It's not working, etc. Then get, then goes to month-to-month with a 30-day out. Nava Hopkins replies saying, I just gave away my answer. Service is minimum six months positioned as two quarters and I bake in better pricing for folks who are willing to commit to me for a year. Software is M2M all the way. Renewal, get a dedicated reach out to confirm in month four or six or 10 or 12 months. Um, and then, yeah, Kirk replies to, um, continues his answer to um, question three saying, if you have to use a legal document to keep clients long term then it wasn't a good fit from the beginning the solution isn't to lengthen your terms the solution is to improve the sales fit determination process it replies that never says it's not keeping folks with an agreement if it's really bad fit will break early i think it's important to get clients bought into a service vendor as a long-term partner the folks who gravitate towards m2m tends to pit vendors against each other and tank their performances in the process then no one wins and Kirk replies, and the big secret is if your fit determination process is better in the beginning, then it solves other headaches as well. Employee retention, morale, your time on vacations, good clients paying on time, etc., etc., etc. Amalia replies, I agree with this. I do see value in the six month minimum, however, especially since setup and optimization is so time heavy initially. Um, Kirk Williams replies, we solved that, we solved for that by charging a setup fee to ensure even if they leave early, that we get paid for that extra work. I appreciate there are different ways to do this. So yeah, either doing the um, six months uh, minimum term or making sure there's a setup fee included there. Amalia replies, yeah, that's another solve. And Julia replies, also a client who does not want to pay for your expertise upfront when there's so much to do and learn about the specifics of the accountant clients is much more likely to be difficult in subsequent months, at least in my experience. It can be good to weed out. It can be a good weed out mechanism. So it's very good to get weed out mechanisms. Julia replies to question three saying, my projects are generally broken into two parts, initially onboarding, strategy and changes, plus first four weeks of management. Then it is monthly for management, set fee for set work, 30 day termination notice is my standard. Kamik Harris replies to question three saying, likely 
vastly different from the majority of our contract terms are generally no longer than three months or whatever the client has paid upfront, then the clause to continue on a prepaid retainer only base sorry, then the clause to continue on a prepaid retainer only basis ninety percent month to month, eight percent quarterly. I wish I knew all this information a long time ago. It would have really helped me out. Some amazing practical information I've been given here. Snaptech Marketing replies question three saying our contracts are either project-based or have a month-to-month retainer. We want the client to choose to be in the relationship with us so we don't confine them to long-term contracts. When it comes to a client leaving, we have a 30-day termination policy. Um, and then, yeah, Julie continues to answer question three saying renewal states always states that it is to be mutually agreeable, which allows for room to rene- renegotiate if needed on either side, and then either continue or terminate. I don't want clients working with me who are not happy with the arrangement. And um, even though we've got some latecomers in here, um, I am going to give some answers because there are some really good ones here. I mean, Cabra replies to question one saying, yeah, and we sure do. I got, the, I got them drawn up a while ago, and I'll have a lawyer review them about once a year just to make sure they're still okay and up to date. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, continues to reply to question two, saying scope of work, but also what is not included in our work. So it's clear liability, no guarantee. I had to file a suit against a client once. So this is one that is super duper important. Dwayne Brown replies to question one, saying we do have contracts and use Proposify Canadian Tech to make it happen. Our proposal and contract all in one document. Melissa McKee replies to question three saying all ours are usually um, fixed term, mostly commonly, most commonly one year. Amikabra replies to question three saying our agreement asks for a three-month commitment, which then transitions to a month-over-month agreement with a 30 days termination um, termination period. Um, and then you've got um, Melissa McKee replying to, to Kirk, where Kirk had said that, by the way, this is random, but for some reason I've noticed a direct tie between clients who may eventually turn out to be bad clients and those who push back aggressively on our setup, even after we explain what it's for, one of those things we've learned to watch for in sales. And in response to that, we've got, yeah, Melissa going there, clients who nickel and dime in generally dime in general frequently turn out to be bad clients um and then yeah we've got um julie taking us on to question four saying is there something that you wish you had in your contracts but do not currently if not why not um in response to that ken chang replies the time zones once you mentioned that's a really good one to add in sonica replies question three saying um usually um a year for different teams we have different contract durations. Kirkham then goes on to, um, is this a reply? Oh, just, just a comment here that everybody likes, saying the number one thing I learned about PPC contracts is that it's more about determining fit with clients than it is about having the perfect place, perfect piece of paper, lock down your sales process and filter prospects liberally. Um, Kirk Williams then continues saying stability isn't about feeling secure because a piece of paper can protect you you would be shocked how much it cannot. Rather, there is security and stability. Stability is, is being more concerned about having a good business than growing for the sake of growth. Stability is all about doing a great job 
in identifying and walking away from those clients who will harm your team's morale, your mental health, and your pocketbook. Yeah, mental health in, th- in this workspace is so important. That's something I keep learning day by day. Dwayne Brown replies to question three, saying we do three months minimum and then go month to month with a 30-day notice period. We don't want anyone locked in if they are not happy. If you are not as jazzed to work with us as we are with you, please leave when you are ready. It's cool with us. Steve Hammer replies, inflation closes. I've never figured out how to add that without it sounding <laughs> greedy. Um, and then, yeah, um, Amalia replies to question four, saying the polls close and more around communications expectations. It's verbally done in the kickoff meeting by me, the comms expectations, but it's too late then to undo sales. Yeah, that's something definitely should be mentioned in sales. Dwayne replies to question four, saying I'm pretty happy with this. Um, I'm sure our lawyer would add a ton more stuff in. We're always tweaking and improving proposals and contracts. It's never in a done state. And then we've got Amit replying to question four saying, no, I don't think so. I think we cover everything we want. Plus I do an annual review of it to add anything that I think we may have been, that may have been missed. I'm happy with what we have right now. Um, Anava continues to her answer to question four saying, clients ended up misunderstanding that I was suggesting all of it and would get cold feet. It took me a while and some lost business to understand that not everyone cares about all the knowable Things. I also offer PPC metrics lessons at client discretion. That's a very good um, adding there. <laughs> and then um, I think in reply to, yeah, talking about stability and mental health, um, Julie was like, Philosoph- philosophical Kirk is on fire today. Uh, and yeah, philosophical Kirk is always the best form. And that's why you need to read his book, Ponderings of a PPC Professional. So he mentioned all of these things that we should be thinking about, about working in paid search, it's not just about the metrics or tactics that might go out of date in minutes, um, but it's literally about thinking about the whole process of being a paid search professional. Um, Kirk then continues saying, I've had my butt kicked a little too often in regards to this. Filtering bad clients is one of the best ways to one, build a business you enjoy and others want to work at, um, two, help the bad clients if no good PPC agencies will take them, they may be forced to improve. Um, Anders replies, um, filtering bad clients is a lifesaver in improves mental health, family life, as well as business results. Um, and then, yeah, Phil, Julie agrees as well, saying filtering bad clients would be a great chat topic too. And I think we discovered what our to- next week's topic is going to be. Um, and then, yeah, we've got, we go into question five quickly. Um, yeah, so yeah, um, Julie even says that I'm going to post two questions in quick succession here. Do you have any questions about contracts that we all might be able to help with? So yeah, that's a good one. And um, then goes on to question six as well, straight away saying, is it um, your practice to review any or all of the contracts with new clients to be sure they are aware of important clauses? Why or why not? Um, In answer to question five, Tim Jensen replies, general curiosity how open or not does everyone tend to be when a client requests a change in an existing contract they've already signed? Obviously, and it depends, I imagine, based on the rationale presented. We're interested to hear responses. So a first question there. Julie replies, always codify changes in a scope changes document that becomes part of the original contract. The scope change document can be very simple 
in and of itself and then states that all of the other terms in the original contract, which should have a number you can reference. Um, Cami replies to that as well, saying, as we are month to month, we are fine with changes in level and scope. Our invoices for retainers specify levels that they are paying for. Um, if it has drastic change, we may do another contract, but not likely. Um, and then, yeah, Julie uh, answers question six, saying, I do review the important clauses to make sure we all have the same understanding about scope, communication, turnaround times, etc. Sean Ellie um, gives, uh, asks the questions in terms of answering question five, saying, do you specify ad spend ranges if you aren't using a percentage of ad spend for pricing? I've gone back and forth about adding this to me. If the work doesn't change and spend, should it impact pricing if you aren't using percentage of ad spend? Um, Kirk replies, yes, 100%. Why? Number one, are you being paid for the work or value? If the work, then screw it. Just charge hourly. If a value, then absolutely be happy to make more of more if you help a client make more so they want to spend more. When spend grows, we're usually doing more work. And that's um, part two as well. Kirk then continues, I'm a big anti-hourly guy. So that's me saying you should be charging with your value in mind, not simply the amount of work or time you put in. You're not a factory worker. You're crucial in potentially growing their business exponentially. Um, Julie replies to that. It has been a while since we did a pricing model chat. Might be time again soon. Sean replies, um, saying, I have set up to stay away from hourlies with clients, but the value versus work piece is a key point I need to keep in mind. Kirk replies, at the end of the day, even a client who thinks they want hourly pricing actually doesn't, since they'll quickly fire you if the actual performance isn't where they want it to be. That decision having nothing to do with the amount of time you may or may not have to put into it. Um, more of this reasoning against <laughs> against um, Auli here in my book. Yes, definitely check his book out. Um, there he, he speaks a lot about that, which is very useful. Um, and then yeah, we've got um, Ken Chang who gives um, um, a question for the answer to um, to to question five, saying any good non non payment clauses or do you have late payment fees? Um, Kirk Williams replies saying, FYI, I've learned that you need to make sure you're in accordance with your local laws for this. Just something to be aware of when you're setting late payment fees. Um, Julie replies, agree with Kirk on knowing your legal options. Allow, outline your process for late payments and when work ceases and any other consequences, do you pause all of the advertising, for example? Also, don't let them get more than one month late. Prepay whenever Possible. Yes, I wish prepay. I wish I was bold enough to ask for that prepay option. Um, and then yeah, Sean Ellie replies to question six, and I outline what I consider to be the most important pieces of the contract during the sales presentation. So there shouldn't be anything surprising when they receive the contract. Um, and then we've got some um, Anders replying to question four, saying anything missing in contracts. My greatest learning from contractual work with very large institution has to be very patient has to be very patient and work on a detailed scope of work. In practice, we did the exact opposite to get going fast and impress the client. Oh, so that backfired. Don't want to be doing that. Um, and then Ken Chang replies to question six, saying, yes, we review everything because we believe in radical candor and want our clients to be successful and to enjoy a great 
working relationship. That's a very great reason. Dwayne Brown replies to question six saying, ours has not changed in a while. I still skim it, but that is it. If clients or vendors, um, etc., send me something, then I read it a few times. Then um, Julie takes us on to question seven saying, how do you go about setting client or stakeholder expectations on a new project? Do you have any type of established processes for this? Um, but to answer question six, um, Amit goes, um, we won't, we don't unless it's requested. More often than not, clients need us to adjust the payment terms, but everything else is standard. I think the three-month commitment is the most important thing for them to understand. So we emphasize that in the sales process. Um, Anders replies to question six saying, expectations. In my mind, managing expectations is all about business results and those are not in the contract as well at all and to manage expectations you build a strategy and set up commonly understood kpis worth more than a contract kami Karis replies to question seven saying um this is addressed in the proposal stage we provide three options or levels and ranges within those levels depending on client's industry and competition profile we found language about five years ago that is easy for clients to understand barely any issues since. Dwayne Brown replies to question seven, saying be honest on thoughts, goals, outcomes, sticky points, or anything else that might cause issues. Bring up past experience and why that helping us gives um, our point of view. Don't be afraid to repeat yourself three times with clients. They forget, don't remember, etc. Ken Chang replies to question seven, saying generally it's assigning account reps to the client, establishing agreed upon KPIs, meeting cadence, and reporting cadence. So yeah, setting expectations early is very important. Sean Ellie replies, I stay away from any guarantees or promises when it comes to results. I do outline my plan of attack and when to expect changes. The biggest thing for me is asking for patience. New campaigns or accounts take time to drive results. Um, Julie replies to question seven, saying expectations are some things that I dig about something that I dig about in the sales process. So I really have a sense of where the client is coming from to start. Then I outline what we'll be doing and what they should reasonably expect as we go. Definitely an ongoing process. Kirk replies question seven saying during the sales process, set expectations early and often. Brilliantly sharp and straight to the point answer. Um, Julie then takes us on to question eight, saying, when there's an expectation mismatch between you and the client or stakeholder, how do you handle it? Julie goes straight in for this one, saying, remove emotion from the equation first and foremost. Then I ask questions that I hope will help me understand where the misunderstanding or misalignment is and why it might be. After that, I prefer to come up with a plan together to modify course, reporting, etc., um, and then, yeah, we've got Kami Karish replying to question eight as well, saying re-explain proposal levels and option and their current retainer level. If they do not want to invest at the level that means their expectations, then ultimately we recommend them to the path to part ways. Oh, wow. <laughs> Ken Chang um, then replies to question eight, saying set up a meeting as quickly as possible to address this. Speed matters as something about campaigns may need updating. Again, he says speed matters as something about the campaigns may need updating. Um, and then we get on to our last question of this chat saying, what is your biggest challenge when it comes to expectation setting? Oh, when um, the client just ignores them 
and and this is the only one I have an, an answer for because I've seen some of my team members and you know present and past really struggle with this and um, when just clients just start try to cheekily ignore what the expectations are and ask for something uh, Friday in the afternoon and when unfortunately because our team members can be just too nice or they just have that little bit of time there and they just think what harm could it cause um, and they they respond to a client when actually I'd say they shouldn't. Um, so yeah, those are, I'd say, is the biggest challenge when it comes to expectation settings, um, when the client tries to be cheeky around it and the, the team member just decides to give into it once. Um, but that's the thing, when you give in to something, I think, for a client, it changes that level of expectations and they take advantage of that and they see how far they can push it. And Dwayne then answers question 18, try to find middle ground if they really want a path to go down, reinstate our position and head and head down it. They know all the risk and reward at this point. And then he continues to answer question 19, impatient clients. Um, do we have any other uh, answers? Um, I'll give an answer to question 9 from Tim Jensen where, where he goes, when client contacts changes and you have to recommunicate expectations, processes etc yeah when the teams change and all of a sudden you're like oh okay let's make sure we reiterate everything that was agreed on and then it's all about that nervous bit of like oh is the new contact going to agree with everything uh that can be quite a tricky stage so yeah i will leave the chat as there it was such a great chat about contracts i feel that that was very like you know packed full of very useful information that of what to do how to put a contract together you know, setting expectations, knowing, um, you know, in terms of how to do with timelines and actually vetting, vetting clients. It's the same thing about, you know, I feel like with interview, when you're interviewing for a position, it's not just the employer employing you and vetting you. You should vet them as well because this is going to be a major part of your life. And if it's not something that you're going to enjoy, don't do it. I think, yeah, some people do things a lot for the money and quickly building up and but sometimes if you do that at the sacrifice of your mental health oh really really not worth it so yeah i hope you found those um um amazing answers um really great and get taking some grateful um taking some very useful and great takeaways from that you want to chat about this topic some more we're going to be on twitter spaces on friday 12 p.m eastern time 5 p.m gmt so join us on there for any feedback about this podcast or uh, maybe even just some corrections on any of the information I've shared or if you want me to clarify anything that I have shared here, do get in touch with me on Twitter. My DMs are open. So yeah, just get me on um, at, at Marketing Anu on LinkedIn. We have the PBC Chat Roundup group on there and we'd love for you to join and um, share your thoughts and your feedback. Um, I'd also love to, um, you know, iterate that. We'd I'd love for you to send a review about what you think about this podcast, what you'd like us to change or develop, um, or you'd like me to change or develop about it. To, um, and to uh, the best way to leave a review is on the Apple Podcasts. Um, you don't even have to have an Apple account. You might need to have an Apple account, but you don't need to have an Apple device. <laughs> and um, all you have to do is just search for PVC Chat Roundup on Google and everywhere, and it will take you there. And if you log into your account on like iCloud.com, uh, it'll allow you to um, leave a review. So you can leave a review. That would be fantastic. Finally, remember, your campaigns and businesses to glide smoothly. There's a lot of hard work needed beneath the surface. So 
Keep your souls kicking. Bye and speak to you next week.